The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm talking about straining for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fita Show with your host, Joe Miller. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Off Tackle with John Fina Show, brought to you by Q42. He's already smiling. Go ahead, crack it. Crack it. <laughs> Do I crack it now? I'm cracking it. This is a San Diego beer local. It's pretty cool. It's called Weekend Vibes, man. I, I can't even get to the open. At least give, let me get to the sponsor and the network before you smile at me about cracking that beer. Dude, we're <laughs> celebrating Victory Monday in it. This is a 16-ounce kind of way. I mean, come on. I've been waiting for this moment. Oh, John, right. the off-tackle right. with John Fina show. Oh, Great it's perfectly job. poured, perfectly poured. Thank you, Mimi, for the uh, for the cerveza. Uh, the off-tackle with John Fina show uh, brought to you by, or I should say sponsored by Q42, brought to you by Q42 on the Buffalo Rumblings. You got me all, you got me all upside down on the Buffalo <laughs> Rumblings uh, vidcast and multicast podcast, all the cast networks. I'm your host exacerbated already we're three seconds into this thing my name is joe miller and you can find me on twitter joe miller why that guy over there john fina host title of the show like the guy like john is the guy so john victory monday victory first monday place, first place in the afc east again yes for how one it? hour a week i'm the guy <laughs> this is it and i'm i'm coming at you from the beach over here this is the waves you see the waves that's good um let's talk about uh Q42 barbecue sauce real quick, oh, right? That's I like our I like yeah, sponsor, right? Yes. Iman Aziz, the guy. What makes his barbecue sauce different from the rest? It's made in Western New York by real Western New Yorkers with real, real Western New York honey and real ingredients. Even the ketchup and mustard is made from scratch. Where other guys use fillers like high fructose corn syrup and other garbage, Q42 puts in the time and the effort to cook up a soft sauce Sauce, sauce, worthy of the most serious tailgate. 
The KC sauce is the crowd pleaser. The Carolina is a mustard lover's match. I do prefer the Carolina, although both mm. are great. Go to Q42Barbecue.com to get yours and enter the code, all caps, shout it out, FINA SHOW, to save 15%. Now, I know that the supplies have been limited. Um, maybe the bees aren't working hard enough or for whatever reason. <laughs> so get your order in for uh, Iman and Q42 Barbecue Sauce. Awesome, and we do love Q42. My wife was actually eating it today for lunch, and you've got, we got Raymond going there? Or is that? Uh, oh, yeah, we made a homemade uh, noodle bowl. Nice, very good. So yeah. you're going to eat while we're on the show together? This should be it's fun. It's too hot to eat right now, but it's beautiful. <laughs> if, you, if you're not slurping, you're not doing it right. I uh, wish I could uh, get the camera angle right for you folks. I don't want to pour this on my keyboard, though. <laughs> Anyways, uh, whatever podcast platform you're watching, listening to, please like and subscribe. We are also super chat live so if you want to ask john a question if you've got a comment about the football game that was played against the new england patriots the winning football game against the new england patriots please throw super chat in there we will absolutely get to your your question or comment it will be a, be a priority we got a couple people in here john who are from or live in san diego love so it jesse stents is in, is in san diego um and then rick beam is in San Diego right now. He's right there in Oceanside. So awesome. uh, I, don't you, I don't know if you want to drop your 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 address. They can come over, knock on your door, and I don't know. And yeah. you can look. <laughs> hey, man, I'm right down the street from the local PB. You know, my whole family went over there for the game yesterday, and it was just awesome. I, everybody was going wild. Yeah. And the food was incredible. They have these uh, carnitas chilaquiles. You know what mm. chilaquiles are? I don't, but it sounds delicious because it's Mexican and I love oh, Mexican food. My God, it's basically nachos, but way better. Way better. Know? So good with carnitas, pork, like oh, stewed, yeah. long oh, cooked, yeah. and then the sauce dripped over and that real crema, the Mexican crema. Yeah. And yep. then that queso seco, you know, the dried cheese, the real stuff. Oh, yeah. And cilantro. Oh, my God. Have I, have I told you my authentic Mexican cuisine story the first time my family and I went to Mexico? Mm -mm. So we go to Cancun for the very first time, and we are Mexican fans. We love Mexican food. We love street tacos and Tex-Mex, right? So the majority of the places that are in the States is the Tex-Mex thing, and my kids are queso fiends. Can't, get, can't, get, can't go to Mexican without queso. The very mm -hmm. first time we go to Cancun, this is probably seven years ago, uh, our first night we're at dinner, and we're asking for queso. And the, the waitress is like, uh, uh, queso? We're like, yeah, queso, queso. She's like, uh queso cheese and we're like queso yeah keep bringing some queso with the chips right because they, they like make the guacamole right there at your table and we're like can right. we have some queso as well so she looks at us puzzled and then she's finally like okay and about three minutes later she comes out with a bowl of shredded cheese and sets it on the table <laughs> they, don't yeah, have, so they don't have american queso in mexico they don't do no, it no they don't that's that's an american <laughs> thing but but traditionally like down in oaxaca and further down in Mexico City, they have something called queso fundido, yes. which is what we stole it from. So yes, fundido, a little bit yep. different. You'd have had to add the fundido. Yeah, I'm a big uh, chicken, and chorizo, chicken and chorizo fundido guy. So I like, yeah, that's a... Chicken and chorizo. Wasn't that in a mm, um, Bare Naked Ladies song? I don't know, but it's delicious. So let's do this. Let's kick this game off or this, this show off officially on this football game. I'm going to let you have the honors uh, as far as expectation coming into this game. And then just your overall, obviously it was a win, so I know you feel good, but uh, expectation versus reality, where, where, are you, where are you landed on this thing? 
To be fair, I really I was concerned. I had a lot of concern about the defense, you know, bending a little bit too much, right? So mm-hmm. they bent, and that's okay. People are like, oh, they still got 100 yards or 160 rushing or whatever. I, yeah. I don't care. They only had three possessions inside the red zone or what have whatever it was. So uh, my concern about that though was at some point when your offense is anemic and you're you're waiting for your defense to do something, it's just a bad recipe. Mm. So they they. I knew it was going to be a struggle, but the real key was, can the offense attack? Can mm. we put up some points or at least sustain drives and break their will a little bit? That for me was the key. Cause I know eventually the defense is, is going to wait them out. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to, they've, they've been really, really good, but we can't play a one sided game. That was my concern. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the way that it shaped up, obviously uh, any difference in what you expected, was that the offense you were expecting to see? Well, it really was. I felt like they had – it was a completeness to it, right? Yeah. So what was curious is at the end of the game, I kept thinking to myself, man, Devin Singletary ran all over the place. But, you know, going back and looking at it, a lot of those were the, were passes, you know, yeah. right yeah. over the middle, little dumps. But what an incredible weapon. And I just noticed from his play, it's almost as if something just he, – he looked incredible. He was carrying guys. He was fighting for every inch. Yeah. So yeah, they had a they definitely had an air about them or a chip or a must win anxiety that they translated into execution and performance. Yeah. For uh, sure. and, and and it kind of radiated, you know, just the way they carried themselves. And I'm not one of these guys that talks about this kind of crap a lot. You know, I don't put a lot of stock <laughs> into that, but I feel like it was pretty obvious. And well, what's your take? So before I get to mine, uh, we do have our first super chat from Brian Bowers, my guy, Brian. Uh, and he says, Fina, please talk to us about Ryan Bates, the O-line play uh, on the O-line play yesterday. P.S. We can't call him Mac until he plays like a G. His name is McCorkle. So he's talking about uh, Mac Jones. So McCorkle is kind of his nickname. But we're going to get to Ryan Bates. So sit tight, Brian. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk quite a bit about Ryan Bates. My expectations coming into this game, for some reason, I had a quiet calm about the game. Um, that is not meaning that I had some premonition on how the game was going to go. I just felt like the bills were better than this football team. Very much concerned about the run game. I asked on my show early yesterday, there was a point in the game where I just said, does, does Bill Belichick like respect our pass like pass defense rather this much, or does he disrespect our run defense this much? Because all he wants to do against the bills is run the ball down our throats. And I want the question answered. Is it because he, like I said, respects our pass defense or disrespects our run defense? So I was kind of expecting to get a full dose of Damian Harris, uh, mm-hmm. which we did. You, you you mentioned the fact that you know they were only in the red zone three times. They scored on all three of them, three three running touchdowns on all three of them, um, which is unfortunate. But it 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 is what it is. And then the outcome was the outcome. I, I was not. I I full full well anticipated the Bills coming out flat. Because that's who the Bills are. The Bills this season, last year, they, they they came out guns blazing every single game because we've talked about it. There was almost a sense or a feeling that it seemed that we're gonna have to outscore everybody we play. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to put thirty five on everybody. So we're gonna from go from jump. We're gonna we're gonna go. This year it's been different. They've been more feeling games out. And yesterday they came out and they foot to the floor and they came yeah. out guns blazing. And it was a welcomed sight for these old eyes. Like I yeah. was very pleased. No, no question about it. So why did, well, Bill Belichick's old school. He wants to run, run first, establish the run, get a hundred yard rusher. Don't turn the ball over. Typically you win the game, right? right? That was a lot. 
in a second there, but by and large, you get a hundred yard rusher. You don't turn over the ball. You typically win the football game. So they did one of those two categories. Uh, I do think that he respects our secondary, even without Tredavious White. I mean, they're they're looking solid. Yeah, uh, you don't even you don't even hear um, talk too much about my guy thirty nine. You know, no. Levi, because he, he had that almost pick yesterday. Yeah. Almost. Uh, so what what was curious to me is, I, I like where you're going with that, but I think he just likes to pound the ball, mm. and I I think that's number one. Uh, because that's how you break guys. That's how yeah. you break them. When you consistently run the ball and lean and lean on teams, that's when you put them away. So that's always that's always goal number one for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So off the top, so I'm going to drop this banner real quick, and uh, even though we're going to get more into it, um, we're going to go back to Brian Bauer's Super Chat. What were your thoughts on Ryan Bates? And I can give you mine after yours. Well, yours are probably going to be more powerful than mine, but what were your thoughts just from what you watched? So, you know, I talked about it. I sent out that little tweet, which went so haywire and sideways about, you know, we can win without these guys in the game. Yeah. yeah. And I, people started taking each other's heads off. And I'm like, guys, come on now. Welcome I mean, to Twitter. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I just kind of sit back and read. And by the way, anybody who follows me, if I don't hit the like and, I, and you're sandwiched between two likes, that's because I don't like. So <laughs> I just don't like. Uh, you know what? He disappeared for me. Like you didn't see, you didn't hear about him. You didn't see about him. And and so when I went back, I, I watched about a quarter and a half of the game, you know, I'm in San Diego, so I didn't really dive into it as, as deep as I would like. Yeah. But if you, if, if nobody jumps out at you, then all you're looking for, like as an offensive lineman, you're just looking to like, you know, kind of drift into obscurity. Yep. So he did it. There were, there weren't glaring errors. There weren't glaring mistakes. They played pretty well assignment football. No, I mean the other guys get paid too. There was some penetration uh, at various times during the game, but by and large, I, I thought it, it was fantastic. It was seamless. Yeah, I mean, was seamless. wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's which is weird too because we've been told by a lot. You know, obviously, I've never asked Ryan Bates a question, but we've been told by the likes of Sal Capaccio and these guys that that know this stuff that Ryan Bates is not a guard, never has been a guard. He's the center and a tackle. Um, to which I've made comments all the time. He's supposed to be the first guy off the bench, which he never is. So if Dawkins mm-hmm. goes out, Tommy Doyle comes in. If Spencer mm-hmm. Brown goes out, Tommy Doyle comes in. And it's it's borderline maddening. I watched things yesterday that I've never really paid attention to before because of you. It's all your fault. You've ruined me. So I'm watching him strike the player. Like, right? So that's the stuff I'm watching. I'm watching him hand guys off. I'm watching if he's just holding his own with whoever his assignment is. And I'm going to be honest with you. He looked like the best guard on this team for a guy that doesn't play guard. He looked like the absolute best guard on this football. That you never know. Guys have good games. Guys have bad games. Units have good games. Units have bad games. We don't know necessarily if the Patriots should, their unit had a bad game, but that looked like the best five we have. That that lineup looked like the best five we've had all season long, um, which poses a question from from me to you. So follow me here. I'm we following. know we know that Marv Levy did something similar to what this staff does. And he did it with Steve Tasker. Steve Tasker was far too valuable on special teams to allow him to play wide receiver, even though he was good at it. The difference was, is your team was stacked with wide receivers. You, you weren't losing Tasker. Like you weren't losing a super big threat by not having Tasker. This coaching staff does the same thing. They, they protect Bates because God forbid Mitch Morse gets hurt 
because Bates is also the backup center and consequently hurts the offensive line because the best five aren't playing. They do the same thing with McKenzie. When McKenzie took over the, the, the return duties, they completely removed him from the offense. And then when he got benched, he was like scratched and like wasn't in the game at all. And obviously we see his contributions to the game yesterday. Where do you fall on that? Because to me, play the best five. Yeah, you know, it cuts both ways, right? So the moment that Bates goes in and plays a lot of guard and then he gets hurt and Morse gets hurt, then you're, you know, you're, you're calling up a guy down and, you know, graduated from Georgia Tech like 12 years ago, you know. So, look, these are these are philosophies. And I, I would agree with you. Um, next man up, best man up kind of thing. It could also it could be a functional thing. I don't, I don't know the guy. I mean, my son, Bruno, we were just talking about it. They do an assignment check thing, you know, three days before every UCLA game. And they literally in a room, name a play, call you out, Joe Miller, stand up. What's the answer? (laughs) It's Socratic method, man. (laughs) Like this is the play. What do you got? Who is he block? So there's a lot of things that could go into it, but it does seem philosophical to them. I personally feel like, Play them if you right. think they're the best player. Play them, but again, I mean, my job isn't riding on this decision. So you say you say the comment, and I get it, and I and I track with it. You know, mm-hmm. you, all of a sudden, you know, Morse gets hurt and Bates gets hurt. Regardless of the fact that Feliciano is actually the backup center, not Bates. So if the first person to go to center, if he's available, is Feliciano. But regardless, then you're calling up some you know practice squad guy. Well, we're living in a world where Connor McDermott is playing football. Wyatt Teller former Bills guard that the Bills traded because they were going to cut him is now a pro bowler. Like, I don't, I don't know that that's the world I live in. And then all I can think of is, you know, you can play the best five and win four straight, or you can not play the best five, potentially get your quarterback hurt and lose two, two out of four games. Yeah. And but I, you know, you're not at practice every day either. True. I mean, the guy could make making mental errors on, you know, simple plays and that gives, you know, I mean, that gives a coach agita, you know, you tighten up. There's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing come out in there. You're like, Ooh, sitting on pins and needles so you know without having that transparency there's just no way to know but chalk it up to philosophy and you don't like it get a new gm get a new head coach man i mean it's just the way it is and you're gonna have to like take that bitter pill and wash it down <laughs> with some delicious ipa they're not sponsoring the, the show beach. You're washing down with delicious Q42 barbecue. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, you know what? Next show, I'm doing shots of Q42. Well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I told you to track with me because I'm, I'm not going to pile on. So, okay, and the pile on. on philosophically for me, and I know you were not in a position that you could hear the game broadcast. So, I'm guessing you could not hear the, the game broadcast yesterday. Are you going to eat the whole show? Is that what's going to happen? I might. It's pretty good. He's a little soy, though. Yeah. I love, I love what you're eating right now. Anyway, um, so were you able to hear the broadcast team at all? Yes. There was a point where uh, Charles Davis said to, I forget the, not, is it Ian Eagle? Said to Ian Eagle. Is or it no, Ian I'm, or Ian? I'm actually wrong. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm incorrect. It actually was from Deion Dawkins, if I'm not mistaken. They asked Deion Dawkins about Ryan Bates or in his presser. And he mm-hmm. said, from OTAs, they flip those guys around and make everybody play every position. So like so what we see when we see Williams go from tackle to guard, guard to tackle, when we see Feliciano go from right to left, left to right, right to left, like all these guys that somehow there's a philosophy in OTAs to get them familiar or quote unquote used to all of these other positions. And all that rings in my head is the conversation with Ruben Brown and you 
where moving around like that, especially right to left or left to right, is not easy. And you yeah. watch you watch this offensive line over and over again, game after game, look really unsettled. Very much like they're not necessarily comfortable in the positions they're in outside of Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, because those are the, probably the only two guys that aren't sliding all over the line, right? Yep. Yeah, so you, what, I think what I hear you saying is if you're going to practice this philosophy, why don't, or if you're going to, yeah, I guess, pra- if you're going to practice this philosophy, why aren't you putting it into practice? Sure. I, I, it. I, it's just, to me, it's just, I don't know. It just, it seems counterproductive to everything I've ever heard, read, listened to, watched about offensive lines. About, they're not wide receivers. It's not like going from the X to the Y to the Z. It's just different, right? And, and they don't even do that. There's there's wide receivers they talk about that aren't slot guys. He's not a slot yeah. guy. And they would never put him in the slot. Well, why are you taking a tackle and moving him to right guard, a left tackle or whatever, a right? It just, it's a little, it's a little frustrating for me, especially when I watch that offensive line play the way that they did yesterday. They played yeah, well. Yeah, but I, again, I mean, I think we've gone over this a lot, a, a, a number of times. In my opinion, the only guy on the offensive line who was, substandard like to the point where he should have been sat was cody ford right i mean i i don't think feliciano was guilty of of the greatest sins you know so it's hard to change a guy it really is that's a big decision you know if a guy's doing the right assignment and he gets feet at sorry beat physically every now and again you know those those are hard decisions to make because everybody gets beat but I guess my and, question is, is if the answer was on the bench in Ryan Bates, why is Cody Ford going in the game, game after game? Last oh. year, why is Brian Winters starting and playing game after game after game when Ryan Bates is on the bench? We, we can go around in circles here, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I really feel like we're a circle, like the bowl of my soup, <laughs> my delicious homemade noodle soup. Is it? Is it if I if I were as smart as Shifu from Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> then I would have the answer. Anyways, uh, yeah. So those are just some bleeding, blistering thoughts from what was a tremendous football game. I had no bad dude awards yesterday. Like all, all, everything was good, and I had hey, so many more I could have given out. It was a great yeah, football game. You know, we had a super chat up there. We didn't address. Did we address part one? We, uh, well, from- the the other one is uh, not calling him uh, not calling him Mac until he plays like a G. Uh, his name is McCorkle. Well, I mean, everybody's going after this poor guy. I, I mean, I think he's serviceable right now. I think they've done the smart thing to protect him, the way they've designed the offense. Doesn't throw the ball a lot. Doesn't throw the ball far. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how many quarterbacks can you name that got thrown in their rookie year into an awful situation? Josh Allen. With a crappy team. <laughs> Josh Allen. Well, right, Josh Allen. But, I mean, I think I – think Belichick is smart here. I yeah. think he's going to just continue to pump the brakes. He's playing the long game. Yeah. We might get through the season. And I know everybody like, oh, people are slobbering all over Mac Jones. And so that makes the Bills Mafia extra ornery, you of know, course. extra pissed off about it. Of course. But to me, I just think you got to set that aside. I mean, he's just a kid. And I think they're handling him in the right way and putting him in the best situations possible. Uh, given that they they have limited resources too, I mean, I think their wide receiver crew is fair at yeah, best, no, right? Yeah, they had, they had issues. Nelson Aguilar was out of the game. Yeah, they had, they had problems, and then Kendrick Bourne was coming back from COVID, and he was clearly 
taxed in that football game. And the kid game. from ASU is just terrible. Nikhil, yeah, well, and, and Nikhil what's, Harry. Nikhil Harry. And what's interesting is that Matthew Judon was put on the COVID list, uh, reserve list today, which there's now speculation out there that he had COVID yesterday because he was very much kind of gassed yesterday, that he was not full of the amount of energy that he normally was. But let's move on. Let's progress. And let's let's carry on with the, uh, the format of the show and get to the good. For me, the good... By far and away, it was the offensive line. The offensive line was superior to what we have seen all year long. Josh Allen, as much as we want to talk about Isaiah McKenzie, and he had a tremendous special day that is probably might overshadow his Miami Dolphins last game of the season game last year where he completely went nuts in that football game because of the opponent and what this game meant. Like He had a phenomenal football game. But the, to me, the narrative is Josh Allen. I think we saw growth steps. I think we literally saw we saw Josh Allen do things kind of in rhythm and in time. It felt natural, things that those swing passes just didn't feel no, like natural. They didn't look normal to him, like as, at least as a viewer. And and in this football game, they very much yeah. look natural. Yeah, well, he did. Well, beyond the just the, the very smart play that I noticed, uh, he made some extraordinary plays, as we all know. But yeah. the things he did, you know, I'm throw this ball away. Uh, I'm scrambling, but I don't. I can't run it, and I don't have a pass. I'm going to toss it. Yeah. You know, he had three poor throws. You know, yeah. He should have. He should have had Kumaro in the end zone, but that was on Josh. I mean, that ball he could have could have flicked it up like this and put enough air under it. What's crazy is I've got the video in the replay. Kumaro had it, and when he cradled yeah. it and brought it down, it just oddly, awkwardly, things you never see happen, like just floated out the bottom of him I, like, I totally understand that but given the situation how open he was it's a poor throw i mean he could have thrown a rainbow up there and, and kumaro could have stopped and caught it he, he had to extend those aren't look i mean i can't barely extend to grab something off the table over here right so now full speed <laughs> breathing hard tracking a ball um twisting giant your beard, body in the air giant beard long hair giant beer do you see giant beer <laughs> he's got giant beer. although this looks like a regular size beer in my hand yeah right right what's amazing about josh allen right now what we saw in that football game and if it continues and that's obvious you know I, how trajectories go as much as he's one of the better learning teachable quarterbacks that i've ever seen i don't expect it every game from here on out to be this but i remember in 18 and 19 as a rookie all he would do is throw lasers lasers around the field and it was if he could just learn to throw touch passes and then last season, it was lasers and touch passes, but it never seemed to like where he would get them both in a game. It was one or the other. It's like, I'm working on this or I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. And in this game, it looked like he kind of was living in that spot of, I need to put some heat on this one, and this one I need to kind of float or flick. Yeah, no, the, the growth is obvious. I'll tell you, I mean, the the, the throws across the field, the two that oh, he made were, ridiculous. first of all, I'm standing there, you know, at the local PB in San Diego with the crazy bills mafia around me and i'm watching to focus in on the play with all the noise going on and i'm like what in the hell is he doing don't do that don't oh my god what a great throw yeah but that's yep. the arm strength but the cool thing about that you know what is he six five six five and a quarter his vision is incredible you know he's backing off on that one throw he's backing up throwing it across the field but it's one thing you see Brett Favre just chuck it up in the air. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's doing it with with real vision. Like he knows where his guys are, scrambles a little bit, instinctively raises his eyes, and then he's able to fire that ball in there. It's, it's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, it's incredible. But I would agree with you. The offensive line played pretty damn well. Yeah. I know? guess I, I didn't get to your good. Go ahead and uh, give me give me your good. Good. Um. 
Yeah, I, I, I love the secondary. I oh, mean, yeah. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are just awesome. Yeah. It's so, so fun to watch. Um, you know, Milano kind of disappeared, but in a good way. I mean, just flying around. Medikavich come in with a three linebacker set against, you know, that extra tackle that they put in, which was a nice little wrinkle. We attacked on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I was pleased defensively from kind of top to bottom, you know, with a little bit of, well, this, maybe this, maybe that, uh, the blocking up front on offense was great. And Josh just had a command of the game and he exuded yeah. confidence Yeah, and that that's, you know, that's contagious. Yeah. He looked very much 2020 Josh. And I don't know, I don't know what they did to get it out of him, but whatever it was, they need to replicate that like for the next, what, six weeks until I'll the send, Super Bowl I'll, is I'll over. Send, I'll send a memo. Speaking of being a former Buffalo Bill, as you send a memo to the coaching staff, what is it like when you walk into a Bills backers bar? <laughs> do they recognize you immediately, or is it? Does it like go? Well, oh, that's not there's, that's not like like all the way down. There, you watch all the heads turn. Like that's not that's not there's there's three categories <laughs> of people, right? Uh, the first one who just like runs up to you and is like all over you. Right, right. Which is hilarious because that's fun. And then category two is like the so that first category is like five percent of the people there. Right, right. And then category two is oh, I know who he is, but I'm not going to bother him because you know, like he doesn't want to be bothered. I'm like I'm in a bar with 150 people watching a game. I'm you know I would have stayed home if I didn't right. want you to approach me. Right. That's me. I'm so- I'm category two. You're category two, and that's about seventy uh, percent, right? So now right. we're up to seventy-five, eighty-ish yeah. percent, right? Yeah. And then the the remaining percentage are people who are so young they don't have a clue who I am. <laughs> and there were quite a few there. They're like, come on, guys, you don't know who that is. And the kids like, I'm twenty-six. <laughs> you know, that's hysterical. Uh, but I, I, you know, I put it out on the Facebook. Uh, that I was going to be there and it's holidays. So a lot of people were back in Western New York, you know, yeah, yeah. visiting family, but yeah. we had a pretty good turnout. It was a lot of fun. I'm telling you T dog, that's her name. Um, I, I thought I asked, is that your given name? And she said, no, my given <laughs> name is T F and dog, <laughs> which is awesome. Hyphenated. That's and, funny. uh, she was our server and she was brilliant. So I was there with, uh, Mimi and her boyfriend from the UK Lewis and Roman and Stella and Melissa, and we had a blast. And the, the awesome. fans were great. It, and awesome. it, I tell you, you know, I like to watch the game alone sometimes, but mm. then, like, I, I think I probably would have gone nuts watching this game as high as the stakes were alone. Like, you want, you gives you a chance to share it with everybody yeah, around yeah, you. Yeah. You know, the, the good, the bad. And then, you know, then I think if you happen to lose a game like that, you know, you can cathartically release it all right there and not have to like carry with you for a day. That part I would disagree. So if if I was guaranteed the Bills were going to win, if I knew somehow the Bills are going to win this game, I would love to go someplace and watch the game with a million people because it's going to be a celebration. It's going to be off the hook. It's going to be amazing when the, you know me, you've seen me, you've been at my house and watched the game with me. I'm going I'm to sit on the couch, watch it alone, kind of consume it. McKenna, like the tr- closest, most trusted people can be around me. If I was in, in that environment, I can tell you what it's like. We played the Pittsburgh Steelers opening game, home opener this year. And before the game, home opener, it was, it was nonsense. It was chaos. The party, 
in all the parking lots was unbelievable. It was literally amazing. Dude, when we walked out of that stadium after the, the Steelers beat us, it was a funeral. Nobody was talking. I mean, we, were, we mm. went from conversations, content creators, other content creators having conversations with people around us talking about how Josh Allen is the probably the best quarterback in the NFL, and there's no way the Steelers can stop him, to basically nobody saying a word to each other, mm. waiting well, for the crowds to leave. A special teams coach. Oh. <laughs> don't take me back let's only look forward come on what's next uh, one last question about your experience what one last question about your experience at the bb so you did put out a, no you texted me you did not tweet it you texted me about the dude that was yelling for field goals so talk uh, 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 uh. i did i tweeted that also <laughs> I, I just i don't want to be conservative anymore i'm like 37 years old now so i just want to go for everything <laughs> I'm getting that testosterone back, you know, like testosterone <laughs> therapy, maybe. So, so you know, for, for me, so if, if, if we've talked about this, I always say you got to score on your opening drive, whether you have the ball first or not. So when the Bills scored on that first drive, I was like, yes. Right. Even though they answered, right, and went seven to seven, I was like, it's okay. That's yeah. a confidence builder, right? Like you have the success. When you take your opening drive and go three and out, oh, I mean, just deflated. Bump, bump, you're you're yeah. at Foxborough or whatever the hell they call it. I don't, I don't even know. Um, it's Foxborough. Totally different feel. So I, I say you got to score on your first drive of the game. And then when if you get the ball first in the third quarter, you have to score some one way or another. Now, right, right. it wasn't the result that we wanted, right? I think we got three. But uh, On the second one, yeah. The first drive, though, was... First drive was touchdown. TD. Of the, the, the past, Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie in the of first the third quarter. Oh, I'm, I, of the third quarter. Yes, of that was quarter. field goal. But yes, they had the ball for six and a half minutes. Yeah, they drained the clock. Yes. And that's, you know, coming out of the locker room, the 12 minute halftime, you know, getting set back, hostile environment. Even though even though you only ended up with three, you controlled the ball. What, uh, what you know, What's not being talked about, I don't mean to interrupt you, and I'm sorry, but what's not being talked about on any of the shows today about this game, and it's being talked about a lot, the Buffalo Bills being the first team never to punt against Bill, 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 Belichick. The Bills came out, so the Patri the Bills came out six-minute drive, three points. The Patriots followed that up with a seven-minute drive to score a touchdown to still be down two possessions. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking, and then their next drive was like six minutes. Nobody's talking about, like, they did not work the clock at all. They just were like, we're just going to like run plays and see what happens. And it, the, the clock ran out on them. Uh, yeah, time. exactly. And you know, that was brilliant. I mean, we've had too many three and outs in yes. really tough situations. And I love how the drives were extended. And, you know, we had, a, we had one drive. I think it was it, that first drive of the third quarter with a couple of penalties that brought us back, which I thought were kind of candy ass penalties. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean that in the nicest way possible. But. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a resilience to it. You know, there, even though those penalties happened, there wasn't this kind of like hang your head, dour behavior. Uh, there was there was a true energy with the team in this game. And, yeah, I, sure. and I firmly believe scoring the first drive, you have the ball at the beginning of the game. And in your first possession of the third quarter, you either score or you match what they did or better. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Super good. So let's talk about a couple plays that were on the good side of things that you drew up for me. And the first one is... Uh, Tremaine Edmonds. So do you want to work on this one real quick? Yeah, I just, you know, my feeling is 
before you even press play, you know, a lot of people go around and around about Tremaine Edwins, you know, and this and that, but this is fourth and one. And now I know everybody has nightmares of seeing a fourth and one play dive, go for 50 yards for a touchdown because everybody's on the line of scrimmage except one guy, right? You right, see right. It. right. So they bounced this beautifully. The Patriots said just beautiful play, but Tremaine Edmonds slides down the line. I don't think they're, maybe three other guys maybe three other guys in the league who can make this play mm. but he, he gets through the trash you can see a patriot body flying at him and he makes a tackle for a two and a half three yard gain you could say oh well the, the the corners were there the safety was coming up hey that doesn't always happen mm -hmm. the play needs to be made as quickly as possible and i'm just telling you right now this is just extraordinary athleticism and you don't get this from everybody shucks that guy mm. boom Makes the tackle. Mm. If 16 makes a better block, he's heading downhill, I think, at Taron Johnson, right? Yeah. And, look, Poyer got bumped. Is that Poyer or Hyde? There's Poyer. Yeah. Gets the a way, little bump. The way that he walks the line is incredible. Boom. Look at that. And I think you said to me, I mean, obviously, Taron Johnson is right there to kind of maybe gobble him up, but he, I mean, Taron doesn't look like he's in a position to, like, right there. You see Taron, I mean, he probably gets him, but I think you said to me as well that, like, if Tremaine isn't there, there's a chance this goes for a really Yeah, and really I think it's Micah Hyde is a single high free free safety here. Yeah. So if that's a better block by 16, yeah, that's Micah. you just don't know. Yeah, that's Micah. You know? I mean, how many times have you seen running backs put a move on a on a free safety or strong safety sitting back there and go an extra 20? So th this just could have been a disaster play because it was really well designed. They got outside of us. They just didn't expect Tremaine Edmonds to be floating down the line like that. Yeah, for That's, sure. That was awesome. The next one uh, that you had me pull up for you was uh, three linebackers. So we're actually in a traditional 4-3 with Tyler Medikevich in for A.J. Klein, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you know, the big talk was, oh, they added their extra offensive line and he's at the right tight end position at the top of the screen here. And they ran all over us the last game. So you got to gamble, right? You assume a little bit because you're going to match up here. I talk about basketball. They go big, you go big. They go small, you go small. So we bought Matikevich in. Now that's a traditional 4-3. We don't see that much. You know, when is the last time you see a 4-3 in this league? Mm. Now, the, the end result of the play was fair. Um, mm. They did run the ball pretty successfully, but... The penetration, when you have big guys like that, if you can get your guys up front penetrating and make this, see them make that cut, that's yep. what you got to do. Get right? and that's Ed Oliver forces that cut. Yep, gets him to cut back inside. But he has the freedom because you got Matikiewicz, Milano, and Edmonds back there who can take on big offensive, physical offensive line and shed. And, you know, you give up, you give up five sometimes, you give up seven. We just don't want to give up 12 and 17 and 24 or 56 for a touchdown. Right, right, right. Super good. Got a super chat from uh, your friend and mine, uh, Pam, Pam Madonna on Twitter. Uh, does this team, she's speaking to you, John, remind you of the Bills when you played? I feel a strong similar, similarity to those years. What do you think of the similarities and differences? This year reminds me of the year of the great greatest comeback, which was 93, right? Uh, that, was, that was in January of 93, season of 92. Season of 92 and yep. So, you know, it's kind of curious that Pam says that because that was really just my first and second year. I was in a situation where we had strong defense and strong offense, you know, for the, for the back end of my career, it was either one or the other. We were terrible on one side of the ball or the other. So I would say, this game reflects the excitement that Daryl Talley and Thurman Thomas, you know, brought to the field, 
right? So that infectious nature of this team reminds me of those teams. There's no complacency um, in this particular game. Like we've had issues with what's going on with their identity, with their enthusiasm. We have those questions because we're fans, right? I'm a right. fan. Hey, right. I may have played, but I'm I'm as big a fan. Well, not as big a fan as all these nut jobs. Oh, I mean my <laughs> constituency. I love you all. Um, but this this does kind of reminisce. You know, it's got that kind of inky feel to it, where you know there's just a lot of testosterone, a lot of excitement, right. along with a lot of you know, play like the right. interpersonal relationships of the guys is pretty good. I missed the bickering bills. That was before me. And they kind of put that aside for when I got there, the locker room was, was much more cohesive. Tight. Good question. Pamadonna. Very cool. And then uh, the Josh Allen long run, is that a good play? We're going to say that one for the, what's, what's the next good play you want to re- hit? So I got the Allen run, the fourth down offsides. I know that's a good one, right? Yeah, I think that, that that you can throw that up for a second. I just want to talk to the confidence of it, right? So it's fourth and seven. We're just saying, hey, Bill, we're coming after you, right? We're going to line up in this formation, and we're not kidding around. We don't have our quarterback under center, of course, because it's not a sneak, of Techn- course. Te- technically five wide. We got a receiver just off the tackle over here, so it's technically oh, yeah, five yeah. wide. Yeah, so we're going to open it up, air it out, which gives a defensive line like a mindset of this is real. Right. Right. And how brilliant. I mean, how satisfying is it to pull people off in their own house? Right. <laughs> right. Like, yep. whoop. I think so it's I amazing. If, here, here it's think, coming. I think Morse really got it more than anything. You know, what's, that, just, what's amazing about it is uh, Ike Butker, uh, Feliciano did it before Ike, but when, when Feliciano, Feliciano got hurt, and then Ryan Bates was doing it in this game. He doesn't give the hand wave. This guy jumps. So every single snap, unless Allen was under center, Ryan Bates gives that hand wave, that hand bob to go ahead and snap the ball. He doesn't even do it, and the dude jumps. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you looking at, bro? Oh, my God. But, I mean, we did it. What Which game was it where we were jumping off sides like mad? I think we did it in the Pittsburgh game, too, in our own house. It's like, God, just watch the ball. Anyway, let's move on. I just love the confidence of it. Almost does is pop his head up, which is normal, and then sets, and then like the hand, the hand motion comes next, and then. And like I'll, I'll tell you something too. If you look at Josh right, at, oh, if you sorry. throws it right before the snap was coming, we're running a play here. Like, there's no question in my mind that they were going to run a play. They weren't going to bleed this out and punt. What's funny is like when the snap happens, Josh just walks away from it. It, it zips by his head. Zing right there goes by his head he could have ran a play he could have gotten one of those uh jim kelly jim kelly by the way and aaron Rodgers are the two best quarterbacks i've ever seen at running that free play off of those offside jumps like that like nobody was better than jim and and aaron has it down too so which is interesting uh then uh i think that's pretty much it and then uh so let's jump over to at this point in time the work that's got to be done and i'm I don't feel like there's a bunch. I know there's some, you had talked about some defensive players and some issues on that line. And what's funny is how much he has changed our tune through the course of the year, which is Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver is playing very well. But you've got just some interesting thoughts or feelings just as it pertains to the defensive line and some of those guys. But uh, in your in your mind, where is the work at? Well, uh, so the front four 
concerns me a little bit. I think you're getting the best play out of Addison and Ed Oliver right now with respect to, to getting in the backfield on the passer. So I don't think Jerry Hughes is that old. And I think part of what, you know, here's my guess. We love to roll guys a lot, mm-hmm. but there, there's a, there's a line there where you, if you're not in enough, you just, you don't have the groove. And I, I just, so, uh, Greg Rousseau is no longer a rookie. Right. There's too many games in now. And I don't, there's not enough production out of him. Pressures, um, four scrambles uh, on second and long, third and long. He's not getting free. So, frankly, I, I need to see more out of the ends. We need to get more up front pressure wise. And that, that's my biggest thing on the defense. Yeah. Very, for very clearly. For me, it li- literally what I was going to say, and, and as much as I agree and don't agree, Pops Mafia says, the play call on the goal line from one yard, uh, from one yard, from the one yard line, pass, pass, pass. I don't hate have it. a problem as much. I don't have hate a problem it. with pass, pass, hate pass. It. I don't, I, I know you hate it. The problem that I have is I don't necessarily think that run is the answer unless it's a Josh Allen run. And Josh, I know that there was a, like the Dawson Knox touchdown to end the game, the, the, to close the game out. He was going to run that ball. The problem was his Duggar advanced towards him. Duggar took off towards him. So he just flicked it to, 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 uh, to Knox at that point. I just, we we're not seeing the, I don't want to call them creative, but the design runs inside of seven yards that we have seen from Josh Allen in the past. And obviously it's play calling, right? So they're, they're trying to run them when they get way close one yards, two yards, but last year and the year before, and even 18, if they were inside of nine, 10 yard, nine, eight yards, there was a Josh Allen design run coming and he would score more times than not. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I disagree. I, I'd still like to see Josh under center. If you're inside the two-yard line, quarterback under center, running back at six yards, you know, whether you're going to kind of spread them and run a zone or whether you're going to do a little trap. Um, I just don't love throwing the ball. It's the, the field is too compressed. Yeah, the Safety can't drop to 15 yards. It'll be in the tunnel. So I don't like it. Yeah, but that's me. I mean, I remember distinctly we had a possession. I don't remember what game it was, what the hell it was. We had first and goal from the seven uh, on the uh, on the closed end, and we went pass, pass, pass. I was furious, and not that it matters. If I was furious, nobody cares <laughs> what, what I think. And then we come out, and Steve Christie, normally incredibly reliable, misses. I. I uh, it was like, what's that, a 22-yard field goal? I don't, I don't know. I can't do math, right? They're 21, 31-yard. And I'm running, to, I'm walking to the sideline, and I mean, the expletives and the hand gestures are coming out. And then the Bruce DeHaven, who, you know, I love, but on game day, you don't love nobody. You know, every, <laughs> anybody gets in your face. And he comes up to me, he's like, you should have scored a touchdown, so we wouldn't have, and I'm like, you and I mean, I almost went at it with Bruce DeHaven. So, and that's hard to do. I mean, he's, he was a wonderful guy. God rest his soul. But that goes back to like, I guess the Washington football club and the Dallas Cowgirls, I you guess they that. mixed it up. No, I didn't saw that. Oh my I gosh, dude. It. it was, it was not good. Like Is it yeah, on the YouTubes? It, no, it was on all the highlight shows. It's one thing to have it. It's one thing to have like a, a get in your face moment, but like they're they're like yelling at each other. There's a, there's a dude between them. They're yelling at each other. The one dude stands up and like presses his fingers into the guy's temple, 
and then he just like swings at him. <laughs> it's like you never. It's Kevin Gilbride and uh, oh and, yeah, yeah, and, and Bum, right? Bum yeah, no, it was, no, no, it was um, it wasn't the Bum. father of the twins. We had the coach there in Buffalo, oh, Ryan, was Buddy Ryan. Yeah, yeah Buddy Ryan. It was literally taking Kevin a swing. Ryan. It was it was bad news. It was like what in the world is going? Like I don't know. Did you come back from something like that? I've, I've anyway. seen him yell. I've seen him yell at each other, but yeah. I mean, tempers flare. Yeah, so the work, that's it. I mean, and the work is to continue to go assignment perfect on the offensive line. Dable has work. Dable has work. What did you do? What did you game plan? Are you getting feedback from Josh and Stefan Diggs? You know, who are your key guys? Like when we're talking about attacking in the red zone, are they helping with the game plan? Does yeah, their yeah. input matter? Are they, do they have buy-in? Are you giving them enough so that they they buy in? Yeah. I think another thing for me, and you can speak to this more than I can because obviously you played, and I, I think you played special teams a little bit your first year. I'm not sure. Um, or or maybe, months, bro. You know, did you, yeah, there you go. Um, we benched Isaiah McKenzie because he was having ball handling issues, right? They bring in Marquez Stevenson, and Marquez Stevenson, it was a kick returner in college, looked great in the preseason. Marquez Stevenson yesterday averaged, I think, 15 yards per return. It didn't look like it. It didn't look. Yeah, like I, he had the two big ones and then two nothings, right? But he's but he has a hard time finding the hole. He has a hard time squeaking through. Who is that's an area of work for me? Like I'm wait, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for this guy to break one, 40 yards, right? I don't, I don't even make the end zone. Give me a 40 yard return, a 35 yard. McKenzie gave us those. Andre Roberts gave him to him, gave us to gave him to us all the time. But like that to me is an area of like work. They need to work on the special teams. And it's like, yeah, oh, I know. Good? I mean, you love it, and, and and fans love it because it's such a pow play. You know, mm-hmm, it's such an mm-hmm. energy driving play. You know, and when you're an offensive lineman, every time the special teams goes out, the first thought in your mind is, God, I hope somebody doesn't hold, and we're at our ten yard line <laughs> instead of the TD twenty. You know, so anything yeah. that just doesn't push us back, you know, when you're like running out to the 27 yard line, you're like, ah, and you're yep, back at yep. the 17. So you- I just, you know, to me, I think anytime you get a big play out of the special teams, it's just a gift. Yeah. And if you're trying to force it, you know, it'd be like me calling you like a hey, hey, Joe, uh, you know, can you, what, what can you get me? What can you do for me lately? I just want it to disappear with the no mistakes, you know, yeah. no circling the drain. And I'm fine with it. So for me, it's just not a it's a non-starter. Got a super I chat. Hate, I hate to burst your bubble. Got a super chat, but I'm gonna read this one first. Andrew Tolly asks, What about Isaiah Hodgins as a kick returner? Well, first of all, Isaiah Hodgins doesn't really have that quick twitch type of feel. He's also I know Isaiah, he's a friend of mine. He's six three. Mm-hmm. He's not really the guy that you want back there returning kicks. However, the super chat from Eric Farrell. Eric, thank you mm-hmm. for being a part of the show. Merry Christmas, fellas. John, can you reconcile with the law of physics how high tower? bounced off of motor and landed right on his backside while motor is carrying Kyle Duggar. Just wondering. So uh, Josh (laughs) Allen has to throw the ball at the trajectory. (laughs) Remember that guy? I love that guy. So that's, that's the thing is like, I don't want to say that, you know, it's like a Dr. Strange movie or Marvel film where the laws of physics don't apply but you do see some crazy things in football, right? And you just can't account for was it force time, force times mass times velocity or whatever it is. I mean, it's people bounce around. I just love it because it makes the game more entertaining. Um, and look, motor, I saw that one on the sideline where Singletary was so low and he just kept driving. 
And if you got the right kind of leverage, uh, it's a beautiful thing, Eric. I mean, yeah. great question. I, I wish I had the the math. All I have is chopsticks, a bowl of noodles, and a giant beer. But well, it's it's literally J- Josh Allen breaking around the end on a fourth and one, right? Trying to get the fourth down. Yeah. We're trying trying to convert the fourth down into a first down, and J.C. Jackson of all people catches nothing but air. That's not supposed to happen. Like Josh Allen is six foot five. Some say six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. He's not supposed to be able to whip his hips like that and make J.C. Jackson get nothing but his own player, like that, yeah. the type of physics stuff that you're talking about. So yeah, that, well, I mean, there, that's the desire, right? And right, Josh Allen is a special kid. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean you win every game. It doesn't mean you make every play correctly, you know. And I don't think that there's anybody that's actually mailing it in. But I think Josh really looks at like, and we talked about this too. Like, oh, we didn't hear anything about. There it is. Force times uh, force equals mass times acceleration. So we, you know, we have these assumptions about players and things of that nature. And mine about Josh is, you know, he's the guy got ignored and he's the guy that somebody believed in him. So he, he takes it more to heart. Right. 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 And in every, every play, he wants to carry everybody on his shoulders. It was was Terminator, right? The fact that like he got drafted in the second round, that that was a problem for Thurman Thomas. Mm Hmm. Right. Did you ever yeah. hear anything about that from him? Did he ever speak about it in, in the locker room? No, no. no I mean, never. you know, there was like a, what was the equivalent of a 30 for 30 once or an interview about it, you know, yeah. but, it, and maybe that's the same for Aaron Rodgers. I just think that Thurman Thomas is like a million times more likable. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's pick up some uh, plays that uh, we feel need work. And the first one that you've got for us is the Josh Allen run, which turned into a 25 yard basically take off on Josh, but you, you want to talk about something else in the play? Well, look, I mean, the ball's ostensibly at the 38 yard line, right? So Josh should be as far back as the 46 yard line in his drop in his drop, right? I mean, seven to eight yard drop. He drops to nine and a half yards right here. And although the end result of the play is, is good. The problem is he created pressure where none existed. Right. And, you know, everybody owns, oh, well, your offensive line sucks, so your quarterback wants to run all the time. Well, in this instance, it's the quarterback who kind of sucked, right? Because the tackles, they, they you <laughs> going back to the physics of it all, is you, you, cannot, you cannot block a guy to 11 yards just because you want to. It's just the way the sets work. It's just the way the physics of the whole thing are. You got to get a guy to about eight, eight and a half yards. So he creates his own problem right here the end result is good but there's there was no pressure on josh he created it himself does that change his psyche he floats those last two steps he should have never now look perfect if if he's two yards closer to us he just climbs the pocket you used the perfect word he floats like those last four steps three four steps or float steps and like why why is he doing it so right there dump that up like he's got four little last last float steps and it looks like Williams is giving up a little bit of pressure, but from the from the end zone view, if he only drops to seven and a half or eight, if he stops right there, I'm uh, sorry, it was Morse. But yeah, and again, I mean, it you know he made a brilliant play out of it, but he created a situation. Where, oh, Josh runs too much. We hear that all the time. Josh is responsible for why we ran on this play. Gotcha, gotcha. And we talk. I talk about it all the time. And when I, it's not just Josh Allen. I watch football all the time, and when I see it, I just I want to scream at the TV. And I mean, when I played, when a quarterback dropped too deep, 
I was like, you deserve to get hit. <laughs> you don't drop to nine and a half yards. I, I, I have nothing for you. I, I'm, I'm not your guy. Yeah. And yeah, there sure. are very few guys who are, if for any. Sure. For sure. So why don't you read this one from Pam? Another super chat from Pam Adana. Go ahead and read that one. What do you feel about the Falcons game? We played great yesterday, but do you trust they are finally there this year? I don't trust anything. And, uh, you know, like the, the scariest thing is a wounded dog, Pam. Like, uh, you know, you see somebody who's wounded, you know, or reach out for help, but they're feeling threatened and they bite. Yeah. Right. So uh, you got to have a hardened heart and be focused and pretend like the Atlanta Falcons uh, are playing for i don't think they're playing for the playoffs right aren't they like no they're they're also they're like five they're and ten or southern dome team coming to buffalo in january it's not going to go well mm, well but I, every game concerns me i i don't chalk any game up otherwise we'd have beat jacksonville right for sure for sure next play that we got that we're going to break down is the uh the throw to uh jake kumaro Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end zone that, that we already referenced it, that you felt that Josh could have put a little more touch on. So we'll just briefly hit this one. Yeah, I mean, he played a brilliant game, but, you know, the, the you can't forgive everything in a win. So beautiful. He, the yeah, setup is so beautiful. slows down right here and just puts some more air under it. I mean, Kumaro's open by eight and a half yards or more. Yeah, uh, easily. Yeah, yeah, wide open. Like, and if you look at the trajectory of the ball. I don't want to highlight it. I just want everybody to know that we're they're all fallible. Oh, that right there, you see him pull that ball in. Like he cradles it and pulls it in, and it just oddly just falls out the bottom. Right. I realize that, but part Weird. of his job is to make the 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 catch as easy as possible, right? For I sure, mean, we for see sure. brilliant catches all the time. Guys elevating up to you know practically eight feet in the air one hand coming down it sure would have been nice to just throw it right into his hands you know he could have put about three more feet of air and about you know 32 miles an hour less on it it's a he highlight flick that thing like this like it's he a did highlight. twice it's in a, the game it's a highlight play for sure so oh, yeah. uh if, if he actually completes that pass one that i want to talk about is the fa obata play Mm. Um, because to me, this was F.A. Obata not holding his edge, and I texted you right away when it happened. Yeah. Uh, and you were like, eh, defensive ends always get fooled on this one. And I, Yeah, they really do. I mean, uh, and I, is there an answer to it? Are they not supposed to stay home? Are they not supposed to watch that running back? Like, Wait, there is an answer. Hold on, i got to scroll back through the chat. Hold on, what was the answer? It was momentum equals force <laughs> times. The problem is it's a one-stepper. <laughs> Right. So he literally like when you're watching it from this angle, that's it. He he, he took he's cooked. He's in he's cooked, but it happens to everybody. He doesn't close too much. He's got his left foot in the ground right here, but the running backs are faster. We ran this play all the time, right? Yeah. And yeah. or you know, we did it with Flutie, except he took the ball. Um, and this was a this is a big college play. They ran this a ton like 10 years ago, and it's a good play. Why is it a good play? It almost never gets stopped at the line of scrimmage. Gotcha. And it's just impossible. Uh, It's impossible. It's a better play than a bootleg. The only difference is, you know, you throw the ball to the the running back. He typically can't throw it as well as a quarterback. But it's more successful as far as no gain or gain of yardage than a bootleg. The last one we're going to look at is uh, I just – I wanted to bring this one up too because – uh, they did so well of being man on man on man on this offensive line all for this whole entire football game. And then this was one of those situations where, as I kind of asked you when we were off the air, just, you know, whose fault is this? Like who's got responsibility for this play? 
uh, because Ryan Bates, who played very well, I know I'm going to see it. I know that on Twitter this week, I'm going to see Ryan Bates played a really good game, but he had a little trouble here and there, and this is one of those plays. I just kind of wanted you to kind of describe to us what was going on here because there's a guy that's showing I'm going to blitz, right? you got two stacked defenders. You, you called them big bodies in the box, I think is what you called them. You have to identify the big bodies. But if you want to break this down real quick as far as what we're looking at, and then I'll run it. Yeah, I mean, the first thing you got to notice is that the the nose tackle is at the top side of Morse here. And then and a second later, he's going to slide down to Mitch's right shoulder. I'm going to find so it. So if you there get the end zone view right here. So yep. this, isn't the, this isn't the look you get at the snap. So the nose tackle moves over to Mitch's right, and then Bates has basically got number 50. He's head up on him, and he blocks him. The reason people want to kind of like run this back in time is that the, in a few frames, what's going to happen is the, the nose tackle is going to drop off, and then Mitch is kind of free. But that doesn't make Ryan Bates free. Right. And then we ask, like, whose fault is this? Could be nobody's fault. Mm. Like, you know, once a guy's feet get inside the down lineman's feet, he becomes a down lineman. So this is a four-man front unless there's somebody outside of Spencer Brown, which I think there is. So it's a five-man front. If they're inside the feet, it's a five-man front. So it's man on. Now a guy drops out. This linebacker or the or the sorry, the safety or corner who's in space up above Deion Dawkins, there's three ways to block this, right? Deion Dawkins can take them both, and he takes the biggest threat first, which is what we did back in the early 90s. You double read that. So if the if the guy comes from distance, he's a bigger threat. Deion takes him, you let I think that's Judon, you let Judon go. Okay, that's one way to block it. Number two is the running back scans. So Zach Moss here may be responsible for 23, but we don't know. So if he is, it's an assignment error on him. But this, looking at this when we run it, it's actually no way in hell, like in hell, like burning hell with all the hot coffee you can get, that this is Ryan Bates' fault. It's just this this doesn't land on him in any way, shape, or form. Now, the third option is Zach Moss has a free release, and that's Josh Allen's guy. It seems like that's what happened because if, if I'm the running back, this seems to me like I'm going to check as the quarterback, and this is where the running back flips sides because mm -hmm. in this formation, you've got three blockers, four guys coming, right? Yeah, give it two frames and freeze it again. When the, when the nose tackle shifts. So that, that guy pushes the nose tackle over. Now so now stop. he shifted. Yep, now he shifted. All right. So if you look at uh, Zach's first motion here, he's going to his right. He doesn't think he has any responsibility at all. But Ryan Bates is engaged with this guy. I mean, that's it. He's he's done. He's smoked. So Deion Dawkins doesn't believe he has a double read because he's setting on the end. Right. So either Josh has 23 or Zach Moss has 23. And then if you go two frames again. Yep. All right. See 90 now? Mitch has nobody to block. Yep, because he backed so out. All of a sudden. He got sugared. No, he didn't get nope. sugared. Oh, never no. mind. Okay. No, no, oh, sorry. No, no, I was, no, no, I was no, no, hoping no. to use your word. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. He didn't get sugared at all. We've got four to block four. Gotcha. Right? Count them. One, two, three, four. It's not, it makes no difference to us if 90 decides to drop into a zone dog area. Gotcha. That, that means nothing to us zero gotcha and this is the whole uh 
what was the formula again the physics formula you can't just suddenly decide and now that we have this play frozen like mitch you should know that guy's dropping and then you can bump Bates, and then Bates sure. can get a hand on that guy we just we, we can't do that it, no for, for me that for me the read is there's a check move the running back to the left side of Allen, and allen has got that blitzer right unless well you mean zach has the blitzer or i'm sorry zach has the blitzer yeah. right well yeah but because this play, you you watch Allen. He's not even like Zach Moss is running out to the flat, and Allen's not even looking for him. Allen has no, like, there's no way that like Zach Moss is like I'm going to be wide open on this play. Allen's never even looking for him. Well, he's not looking for him because the flat was covered, so it's third and ten, and Josh right. wants to get ten yards. Gotcha. So the so Zach Moss is covered in the flat. Now whether this is Zach's responsibility or not, we'll never know. But it sure as hell wasn't Ryan Bates' fault. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, and that was I didn't get to that part. So the part about Ryan Bates was there's a point where he like there, right there, and I just didn't want anybody to watch that and see him go up and like, oh, that's my guy, and it's not his guy. Like Ryan Bates is is guarding the guy he's supposed to be guarding. Yeah. That other dude just ran by him. So yeah, that's like you know when you don't hold somebody and then you put your hands up like that, you're gonna get called for holding, right? I mean right. that's just a guy trying to do um 1.5 of his job instead of right. doing his job he's trying to actually do more it's a great timed blitz it was nice they actually yeah. ran another scheme earlier and uh tackle tackle end scheme uh that it was a good trick by them super hard to pick up and morse got his shoulder pulled mm. um which you know no they never rarely call defensive holding just a great defensive call now the nice thing is it took forever and the ball right. came out right well, let's uh, start to wrap this show up. Uh, everybody, you're mm-hmm. you're tuned into the Off Tackle with John Fina show, brought to you by Q42 on the Buffalo Rumblings Multicast Network. We're going to talk about the next expectations. So we've got the Falcons coming up, and we've got the Jets coming up. And I said last night on the Overreaction Post Game Show that the road to the playoffs in the AFC East for the Buffalo Bills is all but paved. Now we have to win these games, but the Falcons again, a Southern team in a dome, coming to Buffalo in January. You got to think that bodes well for us. I don't want to hear any more conversation about Josh Allen can't play in the cold and Josh Allen can't play in front of a crowd. Uh, and then the Jets after that. But at this point in time, expectations for you for these last two games, or at least this one coming up this week. Yeah, I mean, I think the Jets game is far more threatening than um, Atlanta coming to town for most of the reasons that you've described. Like, you know, Atlanta's bad enough that they could be just kind of shutting it down, looking like, you know, I want to get back to my home and wherever. Uh, there's always that possibility, but the divisional, the divisional thing never goes away. Even if right. the game ends up, you know, 42 to nothing, it's still a battle for two quarters. I don't care what anybody says. It's hard to win a GD football game. I mean, just hard to win a game for sure. Uh, my concern, which bothers me is I think we take both these games um, as long as they're on a high level and they can put like, they should have stopped celebrating this particular game like when they when they walked out of the building toward the bus to get on the plane that if they're if they're still thinking about this game in new england then we have a problem because of all the shortcomings that we've exhibited at every position on each side of the ball uh we can't afford any of that crap and that that, i mean daryl talley would tell you that if you were sitting right next to me you know we forgot that game like the moment the clock went to zero at this time in the season with this much at stake but the hardest part for me is freaking we and i said it everybody's like oh kansas city's dust and i'm like no they're a good football team they're gonna come back what are they 11 and four yeah so we we would need them to lose two 
to have it come through Buffalo. We'd have to win out, and I'm sure somebody has some other mathematical equation. But we would have to have them lose too, right? Yep. But that's the biggest thing for me is like get, I, just, I hate seed. playing in Kansas City. It would be a, an uh, it would be a miracle to get the one seed. But I will be honest with you, the way this season has played out, the freaking Chargers just got smoked by the Texans. Mm. Smoked yeah. by the Texans. Right. That's so, I mean, insane. So it's not outside of the run. The Bills lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Titans <laughs> lost <laughs> to the Jets. <laughs> like, like it's not outside the realm of possibility. Stranger things this year have happened. It hurts my brain. <laughs> if I had one, it would definitely like smoke my brain. But uh, as somebody was harassing me on Twitter the other day, it's just too much of the CTE and I'm a meathead. So. <laughs> buddy, you're the man. That's hysterical. Uh, actually... so who, do, who, do, um, who do the chefs have left? I like to call them the chefs after that commercial. Remember that? I actually, one? yeah, that's great. That looks great. But who are the chefs? That looks great. Who are the chefs? Oh, damn! <laughs> they easy, have the the coming. Bengals. Okay, that's that's a game. And that's then, a tough uh, game. And the Broncos to close it out. I don't know, but it's at Denver, and well, they would love. I'll tell you, if the Bengals can beat them, wouldn't the Broncos love to be the spoiler? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sure, but it's it's more than just them that they have to the leapfrog. They've got to leapfrog uh who else? They've got to leapfrog the Titans and they've got mm-hmm. to leapfrog the uh yeah. who who am I missing? In the in the in the north. Who's in the north? Is it the Bengals? The Bengals are, are in the one seed in the north right now, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. they if the Bengals beat the Chiefs, they're gonna have a hard time leapfrogging the Bengals. Right. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. It, it, right, it, right, yeah right. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a miracle. They're gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a miracle. Well, one it seed. was a great song. I believe in miracles. Where are you from? I believe in miracles. Yeah, you sure. sexy thing. <laughs> He's yeah, talking to me. Tuxedos. Yes, I am talking to you. <laughs> you are both sexy and handsome. And I try. Lady, well, let's wrap this thing up. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been tuned into the Off Tackle with John Fina show brought to you by Q42 on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast and Podcast Network. We appreciate it so much, you guys tuning in and hanging with us for this entire show. Uh, if you have not jumped on that like button yet, please, whatever platform you are on, like and subscribe. So hit the like button first. That's the thumbs up. And then jump over and subscribe. Hit the bell so you, you know when notifications or when, uh, when we're going to be having more shows or more podcasts drop. Tomorrow is the Code of Conduct with Jay Spence, the King, one of my best friends in the entire world at 9 o'clock. Wednesday is the Hump Day Hotline with myself and Jay Spence, the King at 9 o'clock. And then Friday, Food for Thought with Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary from WGR 55. But my name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. That over there is John Fina. Any final thoughts, John? Yeah, just shout out again to the local PB in San Diego. Anybody out there listening, get your butt to San Diego when the weather sucks in Buffalo and join this group for a game. They're awesome. The food was great. The people were great. I felt welcome. My family was welcome. It was truly a pleasure. Uh, To to everybody, I hope you had a wonderful, peaceful Christmas and uh, you got closer as a family, Uh, maybe found family members that you've been – separated from um that you're passing you know love and good tidings around and uh we should all say a nice little uh prayer or throw the karma out there for a new year of kind of kindness and restraint and um looking for and celebrating the beauty and all the small things that we can and even finding some beauty in people who we sometimes don't care for politically or religiously or what have you that's my sentiment for the show, Joe Miller. 
Well said. Prayers up for Ike Butker. Happy New yes. Year, everybody. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 2022 is upon us. And uh, yeah, here's to uh, hoping for better things on the other side uh, after Saturday. But uh, yeah, for Joe Miller, John Fina, go Bills. Go Bills. Talk to you guys soon.